Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's the big show on a Monday. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome on in. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Mountain America Credit Union. We will have a Mountain America market update coming your way today at 3.50, as we always do. So a quick shout out to them. Jake Scott with you here at Vivint Smart Home Arena, our Zone Sports Network studios. Austin Horton across the glass from me. And uh, Gordon not. Quite ready to join us yet from Casa de Monson as uh, we, we were battling technical difficulties all day on Friday. We thought we had it figured out, and now we're not so sure. So we're working on it. We're hoping uh, to connect with Gordon uh, coming up momentarily. It's going to be a busy day on the show today. At the top of the 3 o'clock hour, we'll have What's Going On. Of course, we check out what's going on across the Zone Sports Network. We'll have Kristen Kenny. It'll be fun to talk to Kristen at 3.30 of AT&T Sportsnet. And then uh, Chris Mannix is going to join the show right at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, he joins us each and every Monday, and we always look forward, uh, certainly, to Chris joining us. Uh, so stay tuned. And I, I'm told now we are connected with Casa de Monson. Safely social distancing, of course, the one, the only, the talented Gordon Monson. Gordon, I, I didn't make it as long this time. I apologize. That's just fine. That's just fine. I got to tell you, it's the winded Gordon Monson right now. Winded? What happened? You've been running? Yeah, on a treadmill. Like Woo. just seconds ago? No. <laughs> no, but I was running around trying to fix the machine. Okay. So, I, but I'm, uh, I've got my win now. And now that I was. And I don't really like the treadmill. Good, good. All right, so there is Gordon. Uh, as I said, we're going to have a very busy show today, Gordon. Got to tell you, I did. Uh, see your column uh, over the weekend about Dr. Angela Dunn right there on the front page. How about that? Do you do you keep track of that, by the way? How often you you're on the front page? No, I don't care about that. That's they they put it where they put it. That's that something a different, though. It, it wasn't does... a column. It was a takeout. It was a profile. It was a feature. I thought it was still called a feature column, though. No. No, my column was on the sports page, and that was. Uh, that was a column. So that's the difference between the two. So being out front, though, not a big deal to you. Isn't that what they say in the biz, out front? Uh, I, <laughs> above above the fold? Uh, is that a thing? I guess. I mean, that, that kind of stuff isn't really that important to me. But, I mean, I think the story was uh, worthy of that and uh, had, a, had a really good visit with Angela Dunn. I think I mentioned that on the show. 
on Friday, and it was really good. And uh, good to get to know her a little better because she really is an important piece in this whole thing, at least uh, taking care of the state of Utah for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you said get to know her better because that was she, her voice has been uh, really consistent throughout this on a, a local level, which is where I've tried to focus most of my attentions. And I, I've told you this in the past. I think she's a really good communicator. Um, she's easily understandable. You know, she's to the point, but but still comes off as as relatable, if that makes any sense. And so uh, I, th- I thought it was great. I, I learned lots of stuff that I did not know about her and and her background. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you reading. And yeah, she is important to the state. And uh, so, anyway, yeah, it was it was good to, to to know her background. And anybody who wants to check that out can still go to sltrib.com and find it there. Or it was in yesterday's paper, like you said, uh, out front, if that's what you want. Yeah, I so. still I still get it on my driveway over the weekend. So I saw it. I thought, ah, oh, Gordon out front this morning. How about that? Let me ask you this: Do you think? reading a newspaper will ever come back into style in vogue as opposed to reading it online probably not but i enjoy it see i think some old time things are kind of cool actually holding something i I don't know maybe maybe uh there's no reversing that trend and uh and that's fine too i mean as many people are reading as ever have they just do it different ways now so can i tell you what i like about it as as opposed to to just reading it online because like i said during the week you know we move at a kind of a faster pace i don't i don't really have the time to just sit down and enjoy a newspaper but on the weekends often i do and i i love it because it is enjoyable at but but here's what i really like about it one it's easier on the eyes right as opposed to looking at the screen, is, which it, we, is, is which that a proven a fact? I don't know that. I I feel like it's different, and I okay. I spend so much of my week looking at a screen. I, I I feel it's nice to have the the softer look. But then I read everything, as opposed to online, where I go through and click on the headlines that are <laughs> relevant to me in some way, shape, or form. I yeah. I feel like when I have it there in my hands, I read stuff that I wouldn't read online, and so I feel more informed. But that's just me. Well, some people are that way. My wife is that way. She loves reading the newspaper and other people. I've heard that from numerous people. And uh, I've also heard the other way that people like just going online and doing it that way. However, you would like to do it is as long as people stay informed and entertained and and uh, and interested. I, I, that, that, that's the main thing. It's important for I don't want to get up on my soapbox here too high, but it's important for people to know what's going on. Can I tell you the downside of, of the hard copy paper? I don't what, have. What you get ink on your fingers? No, no, no. I don't have the the capability to anonymously uh, just say horrible things about you, which I I do enjoy so much about the online version. Well, that that would be important for a lot of people to be able to rip me. So I uh, mean, you know, it's it's just so so entertaining to to yeah, log on there anonymously. That happens. Just, uh, I mean, I can't, Jake. Uh, I I really don't <laughs> read much of that stuff anymore. But I'll tell you, it is it's funny. Like one second, someone will be ripping you, and somebody else will be praising you for the same exact thing. And uh, it's it's well, people, uh, you know, people all have opinions, and that's that's a good thing. Well, you know, the meanest ones on there, though, though those are mine. Just so you know. Oh, okay, so you're the one, and you have multiple accounts. <laughs> yes, like dozens even. Mm. Yeah, 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 and the the meanest ones those are those are mine. 
Uh, no, okay, but well, uh, it's nice to know. Getting it's nice back, to know. <laughs> getting back to the point, uh, I thought it was very good. And uh, I, I thought it was helpful to get to know her uh, a little bit better because she has had a, a prominent voice here locally. And I think she's done a fine job with that voice. So I thought it was good. Yeah, I'm trying to talk her into coming on the show sometime. And uh, when she does, we'll, we'll, we'll get her on here. That would be awesome. And, that would yeah. be great. And it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. She's very busy, but uh, I think we can we can get her on and uh, it'll be good to talk with her and hear from her. What's going on front lines and what's going on collectively uh, as a state. And she's well informed on the national picture as well and probably international. I mean, these people are experts and they're trying to find every bit of information they can about what's going on in this crazy world. All right. No doubt about it. So check out uh, Gordon's feature takeout, whatever, uh, at sltrib.com. Uh, Gordon, uh, we'll talk about this coming up because it seems like it's been on uh, the top of everybody's mind, but did you watch uh, The Last Dance, the the first two episodes of the 10-part docu-series on Michael Jordan? I did. I did watch every minute of it and uh, taking mental notes as I was doing so. Well, maybe you want to lead with that? Should we get into to thoughts? Because it seemed like not only the sports world was focused on that, but it kind of felt like the world world has been talking about that today. Uh, let's, let's get into the split story of the day. Austin? Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We were looking at this team and, and we realized, other than Michael, the rest of the guys were probably at the end of their high productive years. We had to decide whether we keep the team together or not. And we realized maybe this was the time to do a rebuild and not try to win a sixth championship. I said from day one, if Phil's not coaching, I'm not going to be a part of rebuilding. Phil should be the head coach, and I shouldn't be put in a position to have to make a choice to play for another coach other than Phil Jackson. Sadly as it may be, I have choices. You know, and I will not choose to play for another coach. Pippen started berating Jerry Krause in front of the team. You know, we had to say, you know, hey, let's hold it down. All right, uh, The Last Dance premiered last night on ESPN. Uh, the first two episodes, they're all going to be a, an hour long. It uh, centers around that final title run, which uh, the Jazz were not um, tremendously featured in this, but that's the way it's headed, right? Um, but, uh, Gordon, kind of your, your reaction, your initial reaction to it, I, I certainly have some thoughts. Well, we just heard those uh, those sound bites there from uh, from it, and I'm telling you right now, anybody who would get in the way and screw up Michael Jordan's attitude toward a team would be a moron. I, I mean, I understand that guys are all trying to justify their positions and whatnot, but this guy is the best ever to do it, in my opinion, and everybody knew it back then. So why would Jerry Krause and Reinsdorf and the whole crew ever even get in the way of that? I get it that everyone needs to utilize their expertise. But as I was watching that, I I was just shaking my head like going, what is wrong with you people? Why would you talk about rebuilding when you just won a championship? And as it turns out, spoiler alert here, they're on their way to another championship. And you're going to mess that up? I, I just thought that was idiotic. 
And I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think that was pretty clear back then, too. And we remember it very clearly because I'm having flashbacks as I'm watching this because we were all over this stuff, you know, uh, that 96-97 championship. Obviously, the Jazz involved in that. So we have a background leading into this next season. Leading into another championship run, and we were all over that as well. So I'm just in there going, Jerry Krause, what is wrong with you? Don't piss off Michael Jordan. So, you know, don't even talk about stuff like, well, this is Phil Jackson's last run. You know, I mean, just put a cork in it, man. What are you trying to do? I'm not. Although they did, they did win a championship, and maybe that was maybe he was knew Michael well enough. He was trying to motivate him or something. But it just seems like a backward way to do it. Now, I I agree with you on on his decision making. It probably wasn't wise, uh, especially in hindsight. But they they so melodramatically characterize him as the villain throughout that. I found I I found I had more feelings of sympathy for Jerry Krause than, than necessarily <laughs> because, like anger or vitriol. I mean, Austin's playing the, the, the music there as kind of a joke, but you heard when, when was it Phil Jackson was talking about Scottie Pippen, Scottie uh, Pippen berating him on the bus? Yelled at him really good. Uh, and they're <laughs> and playing. playing. shot him dead. <laughs> Tonight on Law & Order. No, they, I mean, we all knew it was Scottie. The players were so mean to him. I, I felt bad. And Reinsdorf had this really, and I should of, I should have this in front of me so I get it exactly right, but he had this really revealing quote about uh, Jerry Krause that he loved people that didn't love him back, and that disappointed him. I I thought, wow, what a what an interesting sentiment coming from the owner about Jerry Krause they, because they cast him as such a villain, and they were so it was so us against them. And we should start or we should talk about where that was initially generated because I thought that was a really interesting part. Uh, of the documentary, but it was such a uh, an anti-management, you know, situation. It, you say if if Krauss would have gotten out of the way, you know, and he ends up being the the villain, but it seemed like it's pretty toxic. I don't know how much it it would have been able to go on. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe maybe it was just a natural course. But you're right. I mean, Michael Jordan making the fat jokes, the short jokes. Uh, he was pretty brutal. On Jerry, but uh, I can understand the player's frustration because, like Michael said, "quote unquote," we're winning, we're winning. So why are you talking about rebuilding and 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 inviting everybody, including Tim Floyd, to your birthday bash, except for it Phil was, Jackson? It was his stepson's wedding. Whatever it was, yeah, <laughs> a wedding. That's right. Because Reinsdorf said, <laughs> I would have been glad not to have to go to a wedding. Right. But uh, I, I just thought, and, and here's the other thing that I, I really disagree with. And look, you, you can say that we're all ganging up on him looking back, but I remember this as it was happening. And I, I remember, too, certainly. I remember being uh, thinking Jerry and, and the whole thing was screwed up back then. I mean, okay, so you sign Scottie Pippen to a contract that is, say, advantageous to the team. All right? You do that. I, I get it. You honor the contract, right? But when you know a guy is absolutely getting screwed over by his contract, don't you, out of goodwill, go back and redo that deal? 
Well, Jerry Reinsdorf told him, he said, I don't want to see you about this again. And Reinsdorf told him, like, this is really not a... If the owner is telling you that it's a bad deal, then at some point you have to be uh, accountable for your decision. Yeah, uh, and about, you know what, Scotty's what... his intentions were really noble. He wanted the guaranteed money to make sure right. he was changing the lives of his family, that's, and and that's exactly what he got. And they that's told what him, he got. but look, at some point, I like relationships where an owner can say, "Okay, look, we." I know you were looking for security rather than top dollar, and you didn't see the inflation coming. But at some point, as this guy is helping you win championships, don't you at some point tear that up and say, look, we're going to make this right? Maybe, but I I mean... I I know that's easier for me to say because it's not my money, but it seems like that would be the the noble thing to do, even though you want to honor the terms of the contract, and even though Reinsdorf warned him about it but given his vulnerable position with what was going on at home and him needing that security i can understand that that makes a lot of sense and so it would have it would have been a nice move a nice gesture and i don't think particularly egregious in any kind of naivete way that uh you're gonna just say look scotty you're the you're you're uh, the lieutenant and Michael's the captain and without you we're struggling to win these championships and we're going to make this right with you and that didn't happen and I and I remember interviewing Pippen over that span and he was pissed off he was always angry it seemed like and it it, it didn't have to be that way Jake not in my opinion I I, I hear you. But at the same time, when uh, a player like, say, you know, just for example, Andre Karolinko signs a long-term deal, which turns out to be way above his value, I don't yeah. see the player saying, you know what, let's let's redo this thing and I'm going to take a bit of a haircut. I mean, but so, this, you know, the, team, the, guarantee, the guarantee in the NBA is a really, really positive thing for the players. But it can yeah. swing both ways if you're not smart about it. I get it. I get it. And I understand that it was a mistake on Pippen's part. But I just think if you want to create goodwill with your franchise, and I think the Bulls really suffered for the reputation that they had around the league after Jordan left. And uh, with what happened there, I, th- I think that that hurt that franchise for a time to come. But anyway, that's just my opinion. And it might be Pollyannish, but I would have I would have rectified what was wrong with that. Mm-hmm. If, if if I have money like Reinsdorf does, man, I'm making that right. And I and I want my team to be together, unified and rowing in the same direction. I don't want to create this war within the locker room, within the between the players and management, that just seems counterproductive to me. That's not the vibe I want in my franchise. And I think that was a mistake on their part. I really do. Except for maybe it's brilliant because maybe he did it on purpose and that was the motivation that got them over the hump. He was the the bad guy. Mm, I still don't think so. I think there were other reasons for that. I I mean you could you could make an argument that I mean the whole last dance theme of this whole thing that Phil Jackson came up with which was us against them let's go prove it. I mean you could make an argument that maybe they didn't get that final championship. I mean that was a really good Utah Jazz team. Maybe yeah. they maybe they don't get that title if they don't have that you know come together focal point 
because that team was drifting apart. They were ta- I mean, uh, e- even in the scene where they go over to France and Dennis Rodman was was holding out. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, Scotty obviously was was disgruntled with his situation. And I mean, who's to say that that team would have come together like that if it weren't for the, you know, overall dislike of Jerry Krause. You know, it's funny when we watch this stuff, Jake, all this stuff comes back to me. And I remember talking with Pippen and I remember getting this negative vibe from him. And that whole thing about him not undergoing the surgery and then getting it done right before the season. And then he had to sit all that time. That that was a spiteful move on his part. And uh, which I, I which I would bet happens more than, you know, maybe so. Maybe so. Because I thought was, that, too. When when Jordan called that a selfish move, that, that is a selfish move. Yeah. That's a yeah, really it, selfish move. It was. And I and I remember there sitting right in front of Scottie Pippen and talking to him and having his venom come out of his eyes. And as I was talking to him, someone else came up and asked him a question that he didn't like. And, man, I'll tell you, Pippen was just spitting fire. And I thought to myself at that time, man, there's something wrong with this guy right now. He is fundamentally angry, and I don't know whether that helped him play better or not. Generally, I, you know, I don't think that does make players play better, but it's hard to argue with another championship, that's for sure. But that, as far as the thing as it goes, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff in there that I didn't know, and I, and I don't know as this series goes on how much we're going to learn. But I like the little snippets. I like the little thing about Ainge and, and Jordan going out and playing golf before uh, MJ comes back and drops 63 on that really, really great Celtics team. One of the best teams in the history of the NBA. And Michael Jordan just made them look silly at times. And I love that quote from Larry Bird. A lot of people are talking about it. You know, that wasn't Michael Jordan. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan. Well, uh, I, that was that, that. That's the kind of stuff. Those little nuggets like that are what is sprinkled in make it so so interesting to me. And I think that's all we're going to get. If 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 you were really looking for you know an in depth dive into what makes Michael Jordan the greatest of all time, I don't think we're going to get it. I think it's going to be more celebration of Michael Jordan and what he accomplished, and then those tidbits you're talking about sprinkled in to make it interesting. I, I, I think that's what we got in the first two episodes, and I think that's what we'll, we'll continue to get. But uh, you're right, the, tid, the tidbits are, I mean, that, that little part where he talked about uh, the, the cocaine's over here, the weed's over here, and the women oh, are over yeah. here. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, the co- almost the confirming our suspicions about the NBA lifestyle back in that particular period. You know, those, those things are interesting, but I don't think, I don't think we're going to get all that deep into MJ. Although one, one thing you can read out of that cocaine story is he didn't want any part of it. He wasn't going to be self-destructive like so many other um, athletes were of that era where they, you know, maybe didn't become all they could be because they of habits and those and those temptations of that lifestyle prohibited, you know. So that drive that we've articulated so often that was unique with him actually protected him. Right. In that case, in a weird way, right? That yeah. that he saw that and he's like, okay, no, no, thanks. I'm just, a, that, you know, I'm just a, an innocent young guy from Wilmington, North Carolina, and I don't, you know, I'm trying to play basketball here. I don't need any of that. I mean, would Jordan, if he had made a different decision in that particular night, would he have been what he ended up being? You know, I, I, I thought that strength. was interesting. It takes strength to do that because there's peer pressure, you know, and you got all these 
veterans who some guys 10 years older than Michael, you know, and it uh, for a young kid to say, screw this, I'm not going to get involved in this and to go the other way. He probably I bet he was made fun of for that. Well, the, you, the, the quote right after that story was from that point, I was on my own. Yeah. And, and he was it it absolutely shaped what he was to become. Because it further fueled this us first or me versus the world type of mentality and the drive to to be great, and he obviously eliminated distractions. I thought their their shot of his townhouse when he was a rookie and second year there, where he was just living like a a normal dude in Chicago. I thought that was awesome. Well, let that be a lesson to young people out there who sometimes fall victim to peer pressure, and they want to be accepted. And they, this is the irony, that if you follow along, you'll never be a leader. But if you stand up, and it certainly helps if you're really, 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 really talented. But if you stand up and say, nope, I'm not doing that, I don't care what. I mean, Jordan became the leader of that team pretty quick. And even with the much older guys around him, some of whom were participating in that kind of stuff, he just said, bag that, man. I'm here to win. I'm here to play basketball. And essentially he's saying, hey, guys, follow me. You know, follow me. Let's go win. And that, and that that's the way. That's leadership personified right there. And it, it's too bad. I, I just wish more young people, whatever their age is, whether you're in high school or junior high or college, wherever you are, stand up for what, what you don't let things get in your way. And it's amazing how people will line up behind you instead of you trying to be part of the crowd. All right, Gordon, coming up next, I thought there was one really specific part uh, that we can um, kind of uh, talk about from today's angle in the NBA and how franchises are run that I thought was really fascinating. We'll get to that coming up next. As I mentioned, we have a lot to do today. Mannix is going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Kristen Kenny at 3.30. Stay tuned. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. You're right. I mean, Michael Jordan making the fat jokes. He was pretty brutal. I've seen parents who, let's just say, they hadn't always pushed away from the buffet table. Pippen started berating Jerry Krause. He's got a huge body. I mean, that guy is a space eater, as they used to say. I like fat people. I do. I have a lot of fat friends. Austin is fat. I patted him on a big fat fanny and said, get him next time. You know, we had to say, you know, hey, let's hold it down. No reason to apologize if you're fat out there. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today, Gordon, is the band. Selected by me for a reason and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at livenation.com. So, Gordon, uh, the reason that uh, that I picked this is I was reading through a uh, 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 review on Sports Illustrated of the Last Dance uh, episodes by Jack McCollum. Mm-hmm. Uh, who covered Michael Jordan, and so he's going to be uh, covering this documentary. But anyway, he had a conversation with uh, Phil Jackson, and Phil said he was inspired for the theme of the year, The Last Dance. 
He was inspired by a Martin Scorsese film about a 1978 concert called The Last Waltz, which is the final (laughs) gig for the band uh, that took place in Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, where they played... With the Staples sister, uh, Staples singers, which I've seen in person a couple of times, they're they're uh, phenomenal. But it's based on uh, he was inspired by a concert from the band, so I thought that'd be a good selection for today. Okay, well that works perfectly then. Are you a fan of the band? Because usually you don't like my selections. No, no, that's fine. That's that's fine. I got no problem with that selection at all. And uh, but I will say that Phil Jackson kind of a weird dude sometimes. That's all right. Weird is weird is fine. Weird is weird is fine, and when it comes to getting along with a bunch of weird young people from a different generation, you know, weird can be good. I think that was his biggest strength, actually, was his ability to uh, identify with players from different backgrounds and different, you know, financial situations and those sorts of things and get them all to pull in the same direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one part of the documentary stood out to me, Gordon, and uh, may have changed my way of thinking on something, all right? I, I think that tanking and the direction that the league has gone when it comes to whether or not you're trying to win or not trying to win, usually I, I kind of think strategically when it comes to it, right? Well, like what mm-hmm. is best for the long term of the franchise, you know? And sometimes the answer to that is lottery picks. And we've gone into this discussion and the reasons why for, for a long time, right? I mean, you have to have a star to win a championship, if not multiple stars. And when you're a franchise in Utah, likely you're going to have to draft and develop those stars. And so it, you, you do that with lottery picks, or you have the best chance to do that. And that's usually how my mind works. But it, it, one part of the documentary that I learned was that, that anti-management sentiment developed in Michael Jordan's second year when he was trying to come back from an injury, and some could argue irresponsibly come mm-hmm. back from a, a, a pretty serious in, injury where he kind of fast-forwarded the process and got back sooner than expected, and the there was kind of a sentiment amongst some in the Bulls organization that they weren't trying to win and, and just barely getting into the playoffs, and they limited Michael's minutes, and on that last regular season game, they didn't let him go back in the game for a potential game-winning shot. And uh, they ended up, what was it, uh, John Paxson made it, yes. and they ended up uh, getting into the playoffs uh, to face the, the Celtics. But it, Michael Jordan came away with the impression that this franchise doesn't want to win. And, and it created that, or it, it, it's what started that wedge between management and Michael Jordan, that, that relationship that you got into in, in the first segment, that all seemed to start right there, where management and ownership could argue, hey, they're just trying to set up their chances to best win and surround Michael Jordan with players. Michael Jordan is saying, well, I want to win tonight. And isn't it interesting how that mentality has changed? And is there something lost in not having that that winning culture, which I have underestimated maybe for years? Yeah, I. This is the way this kid, this guy at that time, kid, was wired, and it's a it's a it's a terrific kind of what's the word kind of um, aura to bring to a team, a team that had not been winning. And had not won for a long time, really, before he showed up, and and I like it, and yeah, it's it's offen- that's why it, load management is offensive to some some guys who are wired that way, 
And I'm not saying you have to be wired that way to be a winner, Jake. I mean, I think Kawhi Leonard is a winner. But he just goes about it a different way. And for Jordan, there's no way he wanted to sit. Are you kidding me? He was chomping at the bit. And I believe that. Some of this stuff might be cleansed a little bit uh, and made to to seem better than it was. uh, And some of it won't be. But I think that is straight up truth. Uh, I think that guy wanted to be on the court at every turn. Are are the Phoenix Suns really building around Devin Booker, or are they enabling losing? And I think you can make I, I you know I think you can make arguments on both sides of that, right? But but the Jazz go back to the year before they got uh, Dante Exum, uh, Ty what Ty Corbin's final year, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't really want to win, right? It wasn't in the franchise's best interest. They they probably didn't have the right head coach in place at the time. They didn't have enough talent. A, a, a lottery pick certainly would benefit their, their franchise. But their, the franchise's message throughout all of that, you'll remember, is we're still out there trying to win on a nightly mm-hmm. basis. We're still out there trying to win each and every game. Right up to Ty's last game he coached, right, where they beat somebody, the, the Timberwolves, yeah. and everybody said, oh, that's Ty Corbin's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, middle finger on the way out the door. And and really, it was the Jazz franchise that let Ty continue to have that mentality to win, to, to try and win. They didn't want the, the culture of, of losing on purpose and that being okay to infiltrate the, the Jazz organization, even when they knew they didn't have the tools to be, say, a 50-win team. They, they worked hard to... to not excuse it. Does that? Am I summing that up all right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so maybe that maybe that makes a little more sense. Their behavior through that situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess so. I mean, I guess it's situational. I mean, there. Are, but but for a guy like Jordan, it wasn't situational. I mean, they had this losing record, and they what were they going to prove in that season, really? And when when I heard Reinsdorf talk about. Well, would you take? Uh, would you take uh, if you had ten pills, and one of them is going to kill you, and the other one's going to make your headache go away? Would you? Would you take one? And Jordan said, "How bad's the headache?" Which is hilarious. <laughs> he, he added a little more emphasis in that, and, right. but, uh, but but which is interesting on an ESPN uh, documentary. But uh, but that that's the way this guy is wired. I I'm not sure I would have felt completely comfortable having him out on the floor either. I mean, knowing what we know about Jordan, and by that time they knew they they thought, okay, this guy is better than we thought he was going to be. He's the best basketball player on the freaking planet, and he may not completely <laughs> prove that at that point. But they knew he was really really good, and so to let him. A ten percent chance. I mean, that would make me very nervous as well. I I really don't blame them for trying to hold him back a little bit. But the culture but, now is so different. You don't see that stuff anymore. I mean, it's just it's not. Everybody thinks of it so much more from a business perspective. And, and I guess bringing it full circle, that's why tanking is tolerated because everybody thinks about it from a business perspective and thinks about the long term. And and the individual game has lost its value. You you never see somebody come back from a broken foot of all things like that. His career could have been over. It could have been yes. over. Ten percent chance, right? 
And so players just don't think like that. There's just too much money on the line. That was that was as the NBA was blowing up, you know, to its current form where where the Jazz are worth billions, you know? There's just so much money at stake that people don't think, you know, players included don't think about that anymore. Well, that's the way Michael Jordan thought and that's what set him apart. And, uh, and it, I don't and know, did it? Because I, I think that everybody else felt differently back then. Uh, I don't know, Jake. I think there were some folks that probably would have been extremely careful who didn't have that kind of drive. How many guys argued with coaching and management and ownership because they're mad they want to be on the court? I, th- this is something extraordinary well, if with you, this particular player. This, even even back then, even old school, this is extreme. Well, you believe the or you, you know hear the legends about John and Carl, and, and but, but the truth is they played eighty two games a year. That was so much more common back then. Well, that, that's true. But those guys had sort of a similar mentality to Jordan. They just weren't as good as him. Well, it, so, that's fair, but I'm, that's uh, that's what I'm saying. I think that mentality was more common back then. It, it, it probably was. It wasn't but I, just Jordan. I think other players bought into that mentality. That's why none of them were friends. That's why the only reason MJ and Ainge uh, fraternized was so uh, they could take each other's money. <laughs> I, I think it was extraordinary even for back then. Maybe, but I, it certainly I, I, I was mean, more common back then. Uh, I, you, you talk about Jordan and you talk about Malone, you talk about Stockton. These guys are a different. They are different animals. They're just different. And I know they tried to use peer pressure to bring that to their teammates because everybody on their teams felt pressure like, I, I got to play if I possibly can. And that was coming from them. And I do think it was more prevalent back then, but not to this extreme. These guys, they're, they're, they're maniacs. And I mean that in the best sense. But but in today's day and age, Kawhi Leonard sits out a year and a half with an with a, a, a ingrown toenail. And it <laughs> completely benefits him in every single way. Have you ever had an ingrown toenail? Those hurt, Third man. worst pain I've ever been in. I'm really? not kidding. Yeah. Uh, no, what was it? Uh, Worse than childbirth? I haven't been in child, but I haven't. I have not delivered a child myself. Yeah, but Kawhi Leonard had a strained quad, right? Where Tony Parker had the same injury, but he tore his in two. Yes, and Tony Parker came back well before <laughs> Kawhi Leonard to the, to the point where his teammates were aggravated, where they were calling him out publicly, which we yeah. never, ever, ever see. And what happened? It worked out unbelievably well for Kawhi Leonard. He's where he wants to play. He got paid, and he picked up a championship on the way. Well, it helps that he was as good as he was. So, you know, MJ had this drive, and and I agree, in this competitiveness, and he he threw caution to the wind. I just want to play in this this and this and that. But Kawhi Leonard is completely the opposite, but is certainly reaping the benefits. So who's smarter? Well, I'll tell you which one I admire more. Well, I'm sure that's what's keeping Kawhi Leonard up at night. (laughs) Do I have Gordon's admiration? He's not involved in this conversation right now. It's okay. me and you. All right. I, hey, uh, I, 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 on I, line three. I, I don't like that attitude, and uh, it's got nothing to do with being old school or anything else. I just don't like that. I think it's soft. If a guy's able to play, he shouldn't be sitting on the bench. I, I, I don't like that. I admire that about about Jordan and about Malone and Stockton. If you if you can if you can't go then you can't go I get that there's you know but if you but if you can then go go play I mean 
I, I, that's just the way I think of it. But I, it'd be, are you saying that if Jordan were playing now, let's say he had been drafted two years ago and he was, a, he was arcing up through the league right now, would he fall into this category now just uh, via socialization? Um, maybe. I, I, would his I agent, think it would, would be David different. Would David Falk be saying, hey, man, you got to back off? Yes, because agents everywhere, and you know this, are, are saying don't play unless you're 100% because you're getting paid on your stats, not how many games you play. And if you play at 75%, your stats are going to suck. So every agent out there says do not play unless you're 100%. The irony to that is the fact that all of this, all of these riches that these guys are making these days were built on the backs of guys like Michael Jordan, yep. who, were, who, was cl- who were clamoring to get back onto the floor. Oh, he's responsible uh, in part. I mean, his success from a marketing standpoint, I mean, you don't have big stats. Gatorade isn't banging down your door either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And his success he had as a, a marketable you know, billboard, in a sense— I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars created the biggest basketball brand to this day. And so players who yeah. average 12 points a game don't do that. Well, then these guys who are taking the soft way nowadays are doing it uh, thanks to Michael Jordan and his his uh, desire, his drive, his push to be on the floor and not just... I love what they said last night during the thing that... Uh, who is it who said... He's the only guy who could, uh, as Roy Williams said, he's the only guy I knew who could turn it on and turn it off, and he never turned it off. Mm-hmm. He always turned it on. Uh, that, that's, that's Michael Jordan, man. That's what, that's what made him. He would, have been, he would have been great, I think, even without that, but that's what made him the greatest. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see if he came up today, if he would be a different player. Obviously, and it's I, something and we'll the, never know, but it's a different truth, culture, uh, that's for sure. Jake, I know that Kawhi Leonard won a championship, and I don't want to try to take anything away. It was a great achievement on his part, but I don't think he has the drive that Jordan had. And if maybe if he did, he'd be as maybe he'd approach being great like Jordan was. But he doesn't have that. I don't think he has it to a certain extent, but not to Jordan's level. And I guess maybe nobody has had that. So that's an unfair comparison. But that that is absolutely what took the best set of talent in the history of the game and pushed it over the top. Yeah. And, and we all saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw it in the way he talked after games when we interviewed him. We saw it, you know, the way he carried himself. Man, that guy was all about winning. He'd, he'd rather die than lose, I think. Well, I think I think Kawhi Leonard values winning, too. I think he just is, what game are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. What, what yeah. game are you talking about winning? I mean, I yeah. think he's he's strategically – he would tell you that the way he manages it is strategy, so when it matters the most, he's at his best. And, and yet, isn't that about winning too? But you're talking about winning when it matters the most. Yeah. As well, opposed to that, winning on a, on a Tuesday in November. None of that seemed to get in Jordan's way. And the irony to the whole thing, if he's also trying to protect his business side – well, has there been a businessman out of the NBA that's been more successful than Michael Jordan? Yeah. No, I mean, Jordan. I mean, I think the Jordan, Jordan is brand, one of a kind, Jordan, but that's the, Jordan, the point, right? The Jordan brand, I think, is worth a penny or two. 
It is, but there's only one Michael Jordan. Yeah, but he wouldn't be Michael Jordan if he hadn't been maladjusted to begin with. Right. Well, I mean, it's just a different approach, a different it's a different story in today's day and age. It it really yeah. is. And and I think that impressed a guy like Larry Bird who my memory of Larry and I had the 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 opportunity to talk with him a few times and interview him. I don't remember him being effusive with his praise. Not really effusive. Uh, and when he said what he said about Jordan in uh, in last night's uh, episodes, it was it, that caught my attention in a big, big way because that's not a guy who just throws around compliments like that. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Uh, what's going on top of the 3 o'clock hour? Mannix with us at 5, Kristen Kenny at 3.30. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Gordon, we're going to have What's Going On coming up top of the 3 o'clock hour. We'll hear from uh, PK, who had a discussion about uh, the GOAT. And uh, we'll hear from Hans and Scotty talking about the uh, the NFL draft and uh, might even get to a comment uh, from Mark Madsen talking about what it's like when teammates maybe don't see eye to eye. So we've got a lot to get to on what's going on today. Yeah, it's uh, it's all good stuff. We've got stuff to talk about. And uh, it's, you know, this Jordan thing really has, uh, it wouldn't have had the same effect if, uh, if the NBA, if NBA playoffs are going on right now. We'd be talking about all that stuff. But because this is sort of a, a centerpiece in a quiet time, it seems to have caught a lot of people's attention. Although I thought I read somewhere that the, uh, the ratings in Chicago weren't as high as some people thought they were going to be. Well, I've got some ratings numbers for you. But real quick, they weren't going to air this until after the NBA Finals. Yeah. And because of our current situation is is why they moved it up and I think why they're airing it two hours at a time. But uh, this is from uh, the Sports Business Journal. The last dance numbers blew away even the most optimistic projections. Episode 1 averaged 6.3 million viewers and Episode 2 averaged 5.8 million viewers across ESPN and ESPN2. Yeah. I, but, but what I read was in Chicago. They weren't. It wasn't as high as they thought it was going to be. But anyway, it's a, he's a compelling figure, and I know this is probably difficult for some jazz fans to hear us sit here and talk about how great Michael Jordan was. And uh, obviously, Austin, not very popular in Chicago, though. Austin, you you fit uh, you fit into that category a little bit, don't you? That uh, I don't feel about how I feel about watching this thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, this is what I said on my podcast, uh, Shameless Plug, the EP podcast. Check it out every day, 12readthezone.com. I said it feels like uh, we're all grateful for that first big heartache, that the first big true loss of love. We're grateful for those uh, moments, but we don't want to watch a movie about it. That We don't want to relive the thing. And that's what this is a little bit. Oh, man, it's Grateful funny. for those days the Jazz were in the finals. Don't need to rewatch it. Thank you. It's just funny to me to hear fans react that way because it's 
you know, we were covering it when it happened, and it was I just, it's history, you know? You got to appreciate the best it ever did. Uh, let's see here. The Last Dance series premiere episodes are the most viewed ESPN documentary content ever, averaging 6.1 million viewers. Hmm. Yeah, all right. But down in Chicago? I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think the numbers in Chicago were, were really lofty. It's just some people thought they would be so unbelievable. Uh, was it the Phil Rosenthal piece you're referring to, Gordon? Yeah, yes. or he, he was saying that the numbers still did not reach what the ratings were when the Bulls and Michael were playing these actual uh, games then. Is what okay, saying, yeah. okay. Which that, that makes sense. Yeah, I remember. You know, every every sentence we talk about this brings back memories. I remember going to um, Harry Carey's restaurant in Chicago during uh, the series, the final series with the Jazz and the Bulls, and I went with uh, with Phil Rosenthal and uh, and Mark Stein, and we just sat there and talked about the Jazz and the Bulls and old times because we all worked together at one point or another through our careers and it's just fond memories I, I love that period that was an exciting time for people around here even though it didn't turn out the way they had hoped it would uh let's see here 14 percent of chicago households tuned in to the uh, documentary so would you have expected more than that no they say uh 10 to 15 is like really, really good. Mm, Described okay. as crazy high rating locally in Chicago means ten to fifteen percent of households. And Part is that one, just live? Fourteen percent. That's just live watching. And right? that's just live. Yeah. Right. See, most people watch this when they feel like it later. How do they work that? How do they? How does someone get credit for someone watching it if they record it and watch it later? Is that is that part of the process? I think they figure out a way to count it if you DVR it because your tuner is still watching it. Uh, but if okay. you stream it, then that counts different. That's a different metric. So because I DVR'd it, I would count you would in count those numbers. If you had a, even though I wasn't live watching it. If you had a Nielsen box, I think so. Oh, I yeah. see. Mm-hmm. You ever had a Nielsen box, Gordon, or uh, being a media member? Does that uh, exclude you? I have never had one, no. Boy, Matt, I was Matt Locke would be it. getting crazy great ratings. I think I was asked to do it once, but I, I turned it down. Kind of like anyway. covering the Olympics? Mm, it's not exactly the same. No. Gave him Kurt Cragsforp's numbers. Said, Here, Here you go. It. Call him. <laughs> uh, stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next. What's going on? Straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.